a very warm welcome to all you fabulous floral listeners for our 34th episode and, as usual, standing before you on the flowery stage and ready to begin delivering the lines of flowery knowledge, fun stories and fascinating festive facts, it's me, Lucy Nolan, and standing in the wings waiting for his grand entrance is the wonderful and brilliant floral talent that is Paulie Hawkins. Hello there, Paulie. Hello there, darling. This is my grand entrance. Um, lots of glitter and tinsel kapowing everywhere as I as I walk into the podcast area. Hello, everyone. And hello, darling. How are you? Mm, I'm very well. I must just have a word with those chaps up in the gantry to get that gorgeous spotlight on you so that you're lit to your very best effect. Oh, that's it. That's that. it. I can see you now. <laughs> yes. No, I'm very well. Thank you. Very well. Thank you very much. Um, moving towards the, the big day, obviously, getting super flowery festive. Um, all things happening in in, um, in uh, Fabulous Flowers HQ down in Sussex here. So, uh, yes. And you, you've had another busy, busy week, haven't you? More trees, more wreaths. Yes. Trees and wreaths and staircases and, you know, planes, trains and automobiles of, of the Christmas type. Um, yes, really good. I mean, it's lovely. It is lovely. And I really enjoy it. But it's just kind of here that, you know, Oxfordshire one day, Cotswolds the next. But it's great. And, you know, you are delivering joy and festive cheer. So, you know, it's not like you're sort of delivering a tax bill or something. It's kind of, you know, it is a joyous thing. So one has to think of that. But it is, um, yes, unrelenting, but lovely. Mm, good. Yes. Well, I've been busy organising Christmas stockings this end, actually. That's been the highlight of my week. Um, I do mm -hmm. quite enjoy browsing for Christmas stocking fillers, you know, fun bath bombs, little um, little bits and bobs. And in Andy's mm. Christmas stocking this year, I'm popping a very nice bottle of Pinot Noir made by the Davenport Vineyard, which is near to us here in, um, in East Sussex. Mm. And it's the most... Mm, I know. And it's the most delicious red wine in the world. And my son, Oscar, who's working every now and again at the gorgeous Davenport Vineyard, um, is rather jealous. And so I'm going to have to hide that Christmas stocking to make sure he doesn't hijack the Pinot Noir before Christmas morning. Oh, yes. Yes. And in fact, you just made me think of the my brother's there. I'm going to horseshoe in a little kind of a, a plug for my brother's wine, Hawkins Brothers wine, because we'd only be, be rude not to. They're do, doing really well with their lovely fizz and stuff. So um, many English wines to choose from, Davenport, Hawkins, they're all out there. So um, yes, I'm just looking forward to popping a cork or two, darling, aren't you? Mm, yes, I think that's that's 15 all then, Paulie, over the net with Hawkins <laughs> Brothers back on Davenport. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue with our floral podcast then. And you Absolutely. are going to you're going to bring us back into line with a, a lovely Christmas something, aren't you? I certainly are. I certainly am. I'm, I really am so excited about this one. And um, with this wonderful festive season in our minds, I thought it'd be great to focus on a real Christmas beauty this week. It is the blushing, the beautiful, the pretty and dainty. Me? Is that me? Is it me? Lucy is it me? Nolan flower. Is it me? It is the Lucy Nolan flower. The Christmas. Yes! <laughs> me, a Christmas beauty. Go on, what is it? Okay, 2 nil. <laughs> I know. Hang on. I'm hopeless at tennis scoring. But it is the lovely Hellebore, and as well as the Lucy Nolan flower. Hellebore, Hellebore, beautiful, also known as the Christmas Rose. And they are the bravest and prettiest of little flowery soldiers during the winter months. 
um, as a floral decorator, it's, it's important for me to mirror nature. I know that sounds really corny, but it is. So seasonality is absolutely vital in my work. So not only because it echoes what's around us um, at that moment in the year, but also because it's far better than flying flowers and plants halfway around the world, really. You know, um, you're going to go for the hashtag. Grown, not flown. Grown, not flown. Yes, come on. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But I mean, who wants to see tropical flowers or peonies at Christmas? I mean, it's so depressing. So hellebores. I mean, when a bride asks for a wintry look, I mean, not necessarily Christmassy wintry i always plump for a hellebore they come in so many stunning colors from pure white beauties through to heavenly green burgundies and, and really pretty sort of speckledy pale pink ones i mean they are the epitome of winter floral beauty for me are you are you a fan darling are you are you liking a hellebore Mm, I love a hellebore. I have um, a large one in my garden, um, which is just next to the pond. And I love the fact that it is um, it's always presenting gorgeous foliage, even in winter months. And uh, and then mm. perks up and, um, and produces those flowers in the spring and summer. So I am a big fan, actually. Glad you asked. Oh, good. But do you know what, though? What you must do, Lucy, is you've got to trim the lower area. So when... <laughs> Sorry, you've got to um, you've got to um, take away the lower leaves, and then it really makes the flowers sing. So go and look at your hellebores in your garden, and you'll see mm. the big lower leaves. Remove them anyway. But that would be my little gardening tip there. But um, but at the moment, that's that's okay, darling. Don't charge for the tip top tips. Um, but I'm currently installing flowers and plants for kind of all all kinds of things, and at the moment I'm doing quite a few shoot as in shooting birds dinners for clients in the country and um i just love popping a few divine nodding hellebores and old terracotta pots terracotta pots softened with moss and i just dotting them down the table softened with boughs of blue pine or lichen larch covered boughs and it can just look devastatingly simple and kind of chic and beautiful all at the same time sometimes i nestle in a storm lantern with a big fat candle trails of ivy, groups of cones and bundles of cinnamon tied with a ribbon, you know, a lovely velvet ribbon or maybe a bit of raffia. Mm. It's a seasonal feast for the eyes and definitely gladdens the heart, the old hellebore. Um, oh God, it's again my tablesca tablescaping addiction sort of bubbling to the surface again, Lou, you know, can't stop it. Gosh, but you do paint such a, a wonderful picture there, Paulie. I want to sit down at that table with all the, the twigs and the trailing ivy and the groups of cones and the scent of the cinnamon sticks and the beautiful nodding hellebores. I want to be there for the venison pie. Um, all very lovely. Very, <laughs> very, very lovely. And actually, I love my little white hellebore, the one you gave me after we made our recent festive film all about hellebores and using them as a Christmas decoration. I popped that in a little titanium planter um, that hangs on my wall just outside the back door. And it looks absolutely gorgeous. And it has got a bit of moss around it that you gave me as well. So I shall take a little snap of that and pop it up on our Instagram. Just a little bit of Christmas cheer by the back door. I've seen that uh, the adornment on your back door, darling, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. Mm, thank you. And I spritz it occasionally. Um, I get my little water spritzer rather than drench it and just give it a little spritz on the moss and a Ooh, little zhuzh. Yes. And it seems to be loving it out there in the cold air. Fabulous, darling. So, Can't um, wait to see a little picture mm, of so it. Mm. Yes. And actually, if anybody else has any hellebores or, for that matter, any cheery plants or any little Christmas somethings, 
please take a photo, send it to us, tagging us at Fabulous Flowers TV. We'd love to see what you're all up to, what you're doing with your Christmas um, blooms, with your flowers, with your plants, and let us share some of your inspiration to inspire others. I think that's a, a lovely thing, don't you think, Paulie? Definitely, definitely, definitely. And, you know, they just, hellebores, just say kind of winter, Christmas, they've just sort of mad they have a magic about them and and it's a favorite for a, a wedding bouquet um um with a hellebore i i just love that and i remember once a, a gorgeous bride came to me and um it was her second wedding um not that i'm one to judge and she wanted it to be low key she wanted it to be simple pared back and beautiful um and it was quite a chic kind of london wedding quite kind of um you know, snappy and a bit kind of sophisticated. So, and it was this time of year and it oozed sort of style and understated loveliness. But the bouquet, bouquet, uh, the bouquet was just hellebores. So I, I, what I'll do, I think I'll mm. put a little picture of that up on our Fabulous Flowers TV Instagram because it, it's a breathtaking one. And she was wearing fur. I, I think it was faux. <gasps> um, and so with the, with the fur and the hellebores. Um, and then um, and the happy couple took over San Lorenzo, that wonderful restaurant in Knightsbridge. Oh, um, I love uh, San Lorenzo's. Oh, it just makes me want to eat delicious pasta right now. Um, and oh, scrummy. And we, we had hellebores on all the tables and it just looked wonderful. And um, after I'd done the wedding, I thought, I'm going to give a little trip down the King's Road, a little shop, you know. And... Um, and, uh, uh, and I saw a drop-dead ravishing girl walking towards me, kind of all vogue modelly, carrying a hellebore plant. And that, on closer inspection, I realised she'd obviously been to the wedding um, and she'd been given one to take home. And I, I didn't say anything, but I just had a bit of a slight warm glow inside. And um, the bride told me uh, when she got back from her honeymoon that the guests took them all home and planted them. And it was just, just a gorgeous memory for everyone. And it gives you know the plant a a new lease of life so quite sustainable as well Lucy Lou. oh that's such a lovely thing to have something to take home after a wedding and continue the joy and and as you say a lovely memory absolutely absolutely I mean I and I love them in my garden I mean we at our old garden we planted some pleached limes so if you didn't know what pleaching is it's like bleach with a pea and it's it's basically on stilts so we did some pleached limes um and in a sort of dry in the drive area and 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 then underplanted them with tons of hellebores oh my god it was just such such a handsome look and um mm. but just remember when they're in the garden apart from you know taking away those big old leathery underleaves um they hate being soggy they also hate direct sunshine and um, direct sunshine will burn their poor little leaves so partial shade is just perfect um, and just enjoy the clusters of flowery loveliness and let them sing their blossomy song. Although the white ones are heartbreakingly beautiful, um, my favourites are the deep burgundy ones. So pop some in your garden. You certainly won't regret it. I say hooray for hellebores, Lou. Oh, yes. Gosh, well, we're really loving the hellebores, aren't we, Paulie? I have to say. <laughs> Mm. So carrying on, although commonly known as hellebores, the Eurasian genus Helleborus consists of approximately 20 species of herbaceous or evergreen perennial flowering plants, and they are in the Ranunculaceae family. So that's the same as the buttercups, within which its name, it's, uh, it's been given a name to the tribe Helleborae. They are particularly valued by gardeners for their winter and early spring flowering period. The plants are surprisingly frost resistant and shade tolerant and, are, and many are evergreen. 
Despite names such as Winter Rose, Christmas Rose and Lenten Rose, hellebores are not closely related to the rose family. Many hellebore species are poisonous. Oh dear. The Christmas rose, horticulturally known as Helleborus niger, or black hellebore, is popular throughout history. Its memorable Christmas association and name is thought to have come from a suggestion that it sprouted from the tears of a young Jewish girl who was too poor to give a gift to the new baby Jesus, while the black or niger describes and relates to the colour of its roots. There are early references to this healing property that go way back in Greek mythology. According to Pliny, the legendary soothsayer Melampus used it to heal the madness of the daughters of Proteus, king of Argos. I wonder if he had a catalogue. As a result, <laughs> it has... Sorry. <laughs> I just Sorry. suddenly realised. Anyway, as a result, it has sometimes been known as a, mel a melampode, and Greek politicians are thought to have taken advantage of its poisonous properties to assassinate Alexander the Great. Ooh, crikey. Crumbs, I mean, what about Melampus with his mad daughters? Crikey, I yes. mean, it's all happening there, isn't it? Melampus, mm. uh, I quite like that name. It sounds like one of the Wombles. Anyway, um, oh gosh. But anyway, the good old Proteas. Why am I saying Proteas? I'm thinking of Proteas. Um, good old hellebores. Long may they flourish and blossom in our gardens. But this, this um, lovely, festive twinkly tinsel filled episode we have a rather fun and fabulous festive contributor this week lucy and that mm -hmm. is gardening legend the lovely arthur parkinson and um as we are going to be talking about the wonderful mistletoe next in this podcast he's going to share his knowledge and stories of hellebores and mistletoe two firm festive favorites so take it away arthur Hello, I'm Arthur Parkinson, and I'm delighted by Fabulous Flowers to have been asked today to talk about two quite quintessential plants of the English winter, hellebores and mistletoe. I don't live in a part of the world where mistletoe would naturally be, but I remember my great-uncle Colin having a garden in which he had huge, old, beautifully pruned apple trees, and he used to smear the white berries of bought mistletoe into the bark and his fingers would act almost like a mistletoe or a song thrush's beak who naturally spread mistletoe through woodland when they eat the white sticky berries and then they wipe their beaks on the bark. The seeds then go under the bark and after the chill of winter they germinate. Mistletoe is a completely parasitic plant. It's almost like a British European bromeliad in a way. It just goes into the bark and grows off the tree and then you get these lovely almost like pom-pom green chandeliers crazy macabre like creatures coming out of quite often old apple trees and then of course you see them growing high in trees often in the Cotswolds far far out of reach you often wonder if it's worth going out at one o'clock in the morning with a huge ladder to do a forage of them because you also see them for sale in florists at this time of year often at great expense Although I was at Burford Garden Centre last week and I saw some metal gold mistletoe for sale and I did think, hmm, maybe that would be nicer than having the dreaded half-dead bunch dangling from a beam by New Year's Eve. So I've never gone for mistletoe personally, I've never bought any, um, but certainly if I had an orchard I'd love to encourage the birds to come and grow some mistletoe on some old apple trees. 
Hellebores, on the other hand, are a plant that I love to have. I've got a few in pots by the door. They kind of get forgotten about through the whole of the summer, but then at this time of year they get rediscovered when those lovely, waxy, almost like miniature palm leaves start to become their own thing. And then from the middle of the plant you see that beautifully exciting bud that arises upwards and then quite often by at the latest february you've got a flower the most exotic star-like galaxy creature that you're often though tempted to cut and if you do cut them you must steer the semens in boiling water for 30 seconds just an inch or so and then put it straight into a cold sink if you can submerge the entire cut flower overnight underwater just like you would a peony and that will transform the vase life of a hellebore but also remember that they do love to be in a cool room not a hot one and if you can get that right hellebores are the best cut flower for winter and of course the bumblebees love them too so if i had a cottage garden i'd have lots of hellebores in beautiful peach and plum shades because they're perennial and if they like your garden they'll come back for years that's absolutely brilliant to hear from Arthur. Thank you so much, Arthur. It's always wonderful to have such a fun, festive contributor to our podcasts. So, on to our floriography fun facts then, Paulie. And without delay, I am delighted to say we're going straight to one of my favourite Christmas twigs, the twig of delight that can bring any two people together underneath its delicate leaves. And that, of course, is the lovely mistletoe. Mm, stop trying to kiss me. Um, in, in floriography, the Victorian-inspired language of flowers, mistletoe stands for a few messages when sent. Kiss me, affection, and to surmount difficulties. So that's all rather lovely, really, and still seems to mean the very same today when we find ourselves underneath it at a Christmas party. Um, it's also the sacred plant of India. Mm. and the magic plant of the druids gosh it's really steeped in mystery isn't it but beware mm. mistletoe has no smell um so anything like a candle or a festive room fragrance advertised as mistletoe's mistletoe scented is a complete lie mm. there we are mm, gosh mistletoe is romantic parasitic and poisonous mistletoe loves broadleaf trees and provides an important habitat for woodland wildlife its leathery green leaves offer welcome colour among bare winter branches when much else is dormant. It's mainly spread through bird's droppings, which explains the origins of the word mistletoe. The name comes from the Anglo-Saxon words mist and tan, which means dung and twig. That's nice. So it's kind of translated as the word poo twig. That's nice. Yeah, anyway, not, not to be sniffed at. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Anyway, mistletoe is a small semi-parasitic evergreen shrub which forms a large spherical ball up to one metre wide in the tops of the trees. Mistletoe leaves, stems and berries are all poisonous. The leaves are oval and evergreen and they grow in pairs. Flowers are small and white and made up of four tiny petals to form clusters of three or five. Mistletoe is a dioecious. Yes, meaning male and female flowers are produced on separate plants, like the holly that we discussed last week, in fact. Absolutely. Mm. Its fruit is a waxy white berry, which grows in clusters of two or six. The seeds inside are coated in a sticky substance, which sticks to the beaks of birds, feeding on the fruit. They either wipe the substance off on the branch or eat it and excrete it on the trees in their droppings. The gluey pulp around the seed hardens and fastens the seed in place. Oh my gosh, that's so clever. 
So it sticks onto the tree, basically, and then grows out and the roots penetrate the bark and start to take water and nutrients from the tree. That's so clever. Don't you love that? I just absolutely love that. That's amazing. It's amazing. And also, I miss, I mean, it's just nature an incredible thing. I mean, I, but I have known a few girls who were romantic, parasitic, poisonous as well. I remember back in the day, you know. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, but we won't go into that. But um, you can find mistletoe growing in many places in Britain, but especially down in the south and also in the West Midlands. Look it up in the canopy of trees. No, look, look for it for up it. in yeah 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 look, yeah. Um, look for it up in the canopy of trees. It's commonly found in apple, lime, and poplar, but also has been recorded on blackthorn, hawthorn, rowan, or rowan, as they say in Scotland and willow. Mistletoe can produce some of its own food via photosynthesis, photosynthesis, but takes minerals and water from the host tree, as it's a parasite. It's essentially living off the tree, and it's taking most of the tree's nutrients, a sneaky thing. The mistletoe's leaves are, off, are green all year round, and you see them up in the trees, wonderful with the crows, but are more visible mm. in the winter once the other trees have lost their leaves. The white berries appear from around October until May. Mm, yes, I, I know what you mean. Those lovely big balls of mistletoe as you're going on a wintry walk. Mm. They they look quite extraordinary. They're like a sort of a big, uh, I don't know, green snowflake design up in the top of a tree. Mm. Yes, a great big kind Indeed. of verdant pom-pom. Yes. I would say. Lovely. <laughs> In Greek mythology, heroes were granted passage to the underworld with mistletoe. For druidic societies, the plant was believed to give protection against evil and act as a cure for disease. And right through the Middle Ages, it had an association with fertility and vitality. Pagan societies thought it was represented the divine male essence, and women wore it round their waists as it was believed to increase fertility. And did you know, Paulie, that kissing under the mistletoe comes with rules? A berry has to be removed for every kiss claimed. So I'd better make sure that I select a few branches with plenty of berries on so that I can get all my required Christmas kisses. <laughs> Absolutely. Crikey, I didn't know that. I mean, it's so interesting covering all these fun facts about such a diminutive little plant. We might view mistletoe as a beautiful and seasonal plant. But did you know that it actually, it's actually poisonous to humans? Drowsiness, vomiting and seizures are possible effects that you'll experience if you consume the plant. Mm. But over the years, mistletoe has been used as a medicine. In Europe, it has been used to cure all sorts of illnesses, including arthritis, leprosy and infertility. Injections of mistletoe can be acquired in certain parts of Europe as a cure for cancer. Crumbs. Um, there isn't just one type of mistletoe. You can find as many as 1,300 varieties in the world. Crikey. One of the varieties known as a dwarf mistletoe. Um, there isn't just one type of mistletoe. You can find as many as 1,300 varieties around the world. One of the varieties is known as a dwarf mistletoe, which has orange or yellow leaves. Mm, crikey, I didn't know all that. Oh, goodness me, I didn't know there was 1,300 until we researched that little one. Ooh. Anyway, uh, please do keep us up to date um, with all your lovely photos. And we are continuing to release our wonderful festive filmettes. 
They really are helpful if you want to make your own house, home, office or someone else's home look festive and beautiful. So please do subscribe to those on our YouTube channel and watch Paulie creating Christmas magic. And if you're lucky, you can also see me creating Christmas cocktails towards the very end of our festive podcasts. So just search for Fabulous Flowers TV and you'll find our TV channel on YouTube. And all of this is made by us for you. Well, I think it's that time, Paulie, for me to get back to my Christmas list. And obviously, I know Father Christmas is probably listening to this podcast. So I need to make sure that he knows I've been a very, very good girl. Otherwise, I won't <laughs> be getting any nice little treats on Christmas Day. So until next Fabulous Flowers TV podcast, it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye. Ah, yes, he's always watching Father Christmas. But I've loved sharing all these fun facts and mistletoe lovelinesses with you. And um, thanks again to Arthur Parkinson. I know he's been very busy planting, planting all his bulbs. So thank you for taking time out to join in our festive podcast. So um, I'm feeling very, very Christmassy after this. I think I might go and have a nice big glass of um, mild wine. But until the next festive podcast, listeners, it's a goodbye from me too. Goodbye. Oh, a glass of mulled wine, Paulie. What about a cheeky I haven't pie? had one yet. Oh, what? What do you mean you haven't had one yet? I've literally had about ten. I don't know. I've had about ten mul uh, mince pies. I haven't had any mulled wine. Oh, no, no, I've had. I haven't had any mulled wine either. Let's just rectify that and get that. Let's get straight on it.